We hope you've enjoyed our second season of Straight White Guy Listening. If you haven't heard all the episodes, we recommend you go back and check them out. Many thanks to our guests this season, Dr. Graham Bodie, Sherry Bonner, Jana Schmeeding, Andrew Gerza, and Tony Caldwell. Before we close out the season, we wanted to give you a special bonus episode where we follow up with some of the guests from season one to see what they're thinking and how they're feeling. Up first is Dr. Kelsey Crow. She was our very first guest on the very first episode, where she spoke about empathetic listening. When we last spoke, you were talking about all of us breaking up into tribes mm-hmm. and smaller tribes. Yeah. And uh, I guess over the past two years, how do you feel that has gone? Mm. Mm. Are we more splintered than before? Or is there uh, some groups coming together? Uh, or are we just still doing the same thing? You know, I think obviously you have your extremes that tend to characterize our whole mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have, you know, people that are racist, that are sexist, that are... Um, completely distrusting of anybody in middle America, you know, like elitist, you know, you have like all of these different types. But in my work in the last year, I've been interviewing people who have voted for Republicans and still support Trump and people who have voted, you know, Democrat and are definitely still voting Democrat. And these people live in the same family together. And something that I find, no matter who I talk to, who's reasonable, I'm not talking to people who are completely unreasonable, are very similar concerns about where our country is heading. Very uh, similar concerns about being denied (laughs) recognition, appreciation, respect. And I do believe that if we can figure out ways to talk to our common values or our common needs, I don't think they're values, I think they're common needs, that it can help with the feelings and the emotions. Yeah. Because right now we're talking about what divides us, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, People say the left, the left, the right, the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet if you ask about their own daughter or their own father, and you know, there's so much more nuance. And then they go back to the left and the right and the left and the right. Uh, so I think for us to even name that that's what we're doing, that we are labeling people, stereotyping people, it's a very common reaction to do when you feel under threat. Um, and that that doesn't serve actual dialogue um we all should be afraid of going into our small tribes and we all should hopefully find ways to remember that we are (laughs) human beings (laughs) with the same foibles uh and that there is potential for us to connect so how do we connect across political divides right One thing that's really come across in my research, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat, everybody feels that they rely on data, they rely on research, 
and the other side is not, which is fascinating to me. I really didn't expect Trump voters to speak so much to the lack of logic that they see on the left. So if you just try to convince somebody with your data, somebody else has got their data or a way to spin that data. So it is really not effective. Uh, people have their frameworks established and your data, if it doesn't fit in with that framework, it's very easily discarded. And that's on both sides. So as a personal anecdote, say in the immigration issue, a friend of mine is an attorney. I've known her since high school. Uh, she's North African, she's Muslim. And for a long time, she worked as an immigration attorney defending refugees. And she gave it up, as she said many have, because it's such a racket. It's a racket, I said. She said, oh my God, the asylum process, it's such a racket. Hmm. And she said, you know, what Trump is trying to do, it's not cool the way he's doing it and blah, blah, blah. But the asylum process has gotten out of control and she could no longer stand behind defending asylum seekers anymore. Muslim, wow. North African, my friend since high school. Mm -hmm. So her comment made me go into the interweb <laughs> <laughs> and start looking at asylum seeking and finding changes in laws that are more lax. But her comment from someone that I trusted made a big difference. Right, yeah. And she did it just based off of her experience. And, and equally so, having an experience with somebody who's not documented and how awesome they are and all that they've achieved or difference they've made in your life can hopefully make somebody be ready to hear that it's not just criminals that are trying to come across the border. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So anyway, I, th I do believe that that personal story, uh, it doesn't necessarily change someone's position, but if it can stop them from attacking and late with labels, somebody else and start and which starts firing up the amygdala and shutting down our capacity to reason. If, if we can stop doing that uh, with the use of personal story, um, I think that would be a huge step forward. What does the future look like for us if we start implementing these things? Uh, I think we'll be more in control. <laughs> right now, I think that as just citizens of America, we are not as in control of our country's narrative as we should be. I think the media is in control and I think the politicians are in control. And I think that's because they are using incendiary rhetoric to manipulate our emotions, which then inhibit our capacity for reasonable discourse around very, very important policy issues. I think that we are becoming more aware of how we're being manipulated. And with that awareness, I think we can identify more readily the source of our emotions that you asked about, the source of our feelings, and recognize them, not be controlled by them, manage them, and talk through them, past them, to each other. And that is my hope.
That was Dr. Kelsey Crow, co-author of There Is No Good Card For This. This call is being recorded. Well, I was talking to my husband about this, and he was like, well, there's a difference between just listening and hearing somebody. Actually, like, there's listening, then there's actually hearing somebody. And when it comes to hearing somebody, it means that the other person kind of has to conversate back. (laughs) Atsuko Okatsuka was featured in our fourth episode of season one. She's a stand-up comedian and actress who, as an immigrant, always has a unique insight into our country. I would like to hear you talk more about the going on the road and like middle America evangelical and like, how do you deal with your beliefs uh, in a place which may not agree or necessarily maybe welcome to what you feel or think differently than they do? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, I've found more of the beauty in comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think more than before, because I was like, well, how do I, how do I usually interact in the world? I guess it comes back to a similar thing. For me, uh, things have to be fun for it to be worth doing for a while. You know, Um, like everything that I do has to be fun. That's just for me, though. Some people Mm -hmm. might not live that way, but I, I have to like, have a good time, <laughs> you know, like I want it to be a good time for everybody, like fun. And, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm lucky because my job is doing comedy. Um, but even besides that, even if it's like hanging out with people or getting to know someone. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I realized I was like, okay, it was, I was very reactionary for, for a bit uh, after like the 2016 elections, but mm-hmm. My true self, my like normal state, isn't to be an angry person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, doing comedy in like Middle America and stuff, it's like, of course, there's parts of me that are like, I wish they would just meet me in the middle. So there's even there's some jokes that I don't even have to explain too long. They would just meet me in the middle, get it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't have to like not talk politics on purpose. There's parts of me that feel that way for sure. But, right. uh, but for the most part, like it, it was cool seeing that we can like kind of laugh about silly, more mundane right. things together. Yeah. Right. You're not going in there like with a, a sword and like, I'm going to fight you guys on this. It seems like you're like, all right, I, we can enjoy comedy together and maybe why yeah. would I set people straight that own guns? <laughs> why would I do that? Yeah, no, that's smart. Yeah. Why would I tell someone off that owns guns and maybe, you know, has a recipe or two for Molotov cocktails or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I <laughs> no, you don't, that's not how you do it. You go and tell jokes about, how you have matching bangs on your head and on your pube or something, some, something dumb. <laughs> and then, and then you tell a joke about how you tried teabagging with your husband and that the audience should try it too. And if you're in a relationship where neither of you have balls, you could still do it. And that's my way of going. Some relationships aren't hetero. Mm-hmm. So you sneak right. it in like that. <laughs> right. Right. 
but you don't go in trying to set people straight because the thing is like also like you really truly look at like human beings like anytime people are angry right it's what is it like the halt uh you gotta halt figure out why you're feeling crabby right you're either hungry angry lonely or tired and some people have been maybe three or four of those all all of those things for a long time i think something that maybe hopefully i think most more people i hope are realizing at least within like my in-laws you know are realizing after the elections that the enemy are rich the rich corrupt people mm, right who are in power i think that we just have to you know <laughs> we <laughs> i don't know we have to keep making making fun of rich corrupt people <laughs> until they all get in prison there we go yeah no, but so you, don't yell, yeah, at, like, you don't yell at the guy. You don't yell at the guy who's actually like tried to pull himself up by the bootstraps but couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. and is actually like suffering, and that's why he's telling other people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I don't even like that saying. It's very difficult for me to say as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of P's and B's and like it's a weird <laughs> sentence. But um, yeah, I you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I can. Some people might be like, well, Oscar, you're crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you've betrayed us. Why are you talking this way? Why are you even talking to them? But like, mm-hmm. I just, like I said, I have to be having fun no matter what I do. And the truth of the matter is, like, you know, I've married into a family. And these are my family now, too. Like my 39 Southern white, like, Baptist, Trump-supporting relatives. They're my family now too, and 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 the truth is, they treat me very nice. It's you know, uh, and I want to do the same because, you know, if I treat them nice, I you know I I get their address, if I intercept their voter mail-in ballots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, all yeah. 39 of them will miss voting. So, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, you yeah, know what I'm we're, like. We're, yeah, I get. Yeah, you gotta. You win more flies with honey or something, right? Is that the thing? Or I mean, it's also like yeah. they're your. They're, it's like can't yeah, just be kind and yeah, that makes more sense and you get further. I like to have fun first. It's funner for me right. if they're fun and nice, and mm-hmm. I'm fun and nice. And not yelling, like, I really don't want to be, like, yelling. You can follow Atsuko at Atsuko Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I think that where I was then, I was like, okay, so we have to do this thing. This thing meaning not getting Trump elected because that's going to, like, save us from something. Activist Shishi Rose was our series finale guest on season one. She spoke with us again about several topics, but I think this selection here is eminently relevant. I knew that everything was like really, really, really messed up, but I like I think I still had a hope in our political system that mm-hmm. if we fought hard enough doing it, then 
we would be able to get saved from this giant monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I've come to realize fully in the past two years since that happened is that the monster was already there mm-hmm. and it's still there and it will be there regardless of if Trump is in office or not. And I think that we all had this fear of him getting elected as, as like all the things that have happened before his election weren't equally as bad, you know, as if like right. children weren't still locked in cages before Trump was elected. And, you know, all of these things that we, I feel like Americans were so reactive to everything. We like wait until something big happens before we react to things that have already been happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like with Obama's presidency, there was a, a huge mask that was up because he he was able to be tokenized as the first black male president. And we thought that that was like progress, but then mm-hmm. all these things were happening that are equally as horrible as they are right now. But because we had this like mask on, we thought that like something huge was happening because he was elected and it wasn't. He, as much as I like wish that I could have like been felt something like felt like we had growth as a country because he was elected, it's just not true. Like mm-hmm. it's not possible to have. 43 white men in a seat that was built on white supremacy and then put one black man there and think that that does something. Right. So um, I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm like totally anti-government or anything, but I'm more into working on the ground now. I'm more into getting money into black people's hands so that they can Mm -hmm. build. I'm more into supporting black families, especially through like the birth and labor process. Um, and that's why I decided to become a doula since mm. the election, because I was like, if we can't support black families at the very beginning and at the most like vulnerable time in their lives, then how are we going to like sit here and protest police brutality and like all these other things? Cause we're not willing to fight from the beginning. We're right. fighting after this big thing has already happened. Like after they've been born, they've lived and now they've been killed by a cop. But how do we stop it? Like the violence that happens before all of that. Right. Um, so I think that's where I'm at right now is more so like groundwork and how we can like basically dismantle these systems from the ground as opposed to the other thing that Americans like to do, which they love. They love doing big things like attacking the big thing first. Mm-hmm. And as controversial as this sounds for the past two years, I've been studying Republicans a lot because mm-hmm. they work very small and then they accomplish huge things that we didn't even realize were happening. Right. because they've been working so small for so long and then before you know it abortion rights are gone <laughs> or before you right. know it you know like some new law has been passed but 10 other laws have been passed in order to make sure that that law remain will remain intact and we can't destroy it so i feel like democrats especially like to attack something like from the top they love being like okay let's put this person in office so that you know we can fix this country as opposed to how do we fix this country from the ground up? They like to start at the mm-hmm. top and starting at the top doesn't do anything. Now, I, you know, everyone's so concerned with Trump not doing another term. And honestly, I don't care if he does another term or not. I don't care whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anything is going to change whether he does another term or not. The only thing that Trump has done since he's been in office is he's made things more visible mm-hmm. that have been there all this time. They've always been actively in the works. Republicans have always been working on all of these issues. You know, even with abortion rights, we've been freaking out so much in these past two years with what Trump has done. And abortion rights for the past 15 years have been rapidly declining. 
because mm-hmm. they've been working so hard on the side to decline them that now before Trump was elected, they were worse two years ago than they were 15 years ago. So that had nothing to do with Trump. That has to do with the systems that we've let being put in place. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I really don't care whether he gets elected or not. I think it would actually be in our country's best benefit for him to be reelected again, because if he's not, they will again go back to sleep. They had two years of panic. And then they're like, okay, we put a, we put Kamala Harris in office. We have a black woman. Let's, let's end now. I think that things need to get a lot worse before things are actually going to change, unfortunately. And that means that more innocent people are going to suffer. And I think that more things need to be like visibly made horrible and we have to like see it in order for anything to change. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I'm coming to terms with that myself that I'm, I was definitely one of those people who was like, all right, I voted for the good guy. I'm checking out. See you in four yeah. years. And then now it's like, Oh yeah, I think it's uh, more than just this four year cycle. I got to show up. Uh, yeah. I think that's the problem is that people have thought of voting as this thing that you do every time to elect a president. And then that's all the work that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Your right to vote should come with your fighting that entire time to change things for the citizens of this country. It shouldn't be just you show up at your local library or school or whatever and cast your vote for this person. And that's the end of your vote. You know, we talk about how important it is to exercise your right to vote and how important it is to fight for this right. And, you know, there are so many people that are getting that right taken away from them, whether they're felons or just black people in places where they're getting their voter suppression laws, voter laws suppressed or whatever. Like we keep talking about how important it is to exercise this right, but we don't talk about what that right actually means. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just about showing up that one day. (laughs) It's about showing up every day in so many ways. It's about showing up for your community. It's about voting for judges and like police chiefs it's about like voting for literally everybody and not just the president of the united states it's about voting for the house because if we keep surrounding the president with shitty people what do we think the president's going to be able to do to hear more from shishi follow her on instagram at shishi.rose our final excerpt is from connor and his wife brooke who appeared on our second episode of the series, discussing everything from gender identity to black lives. They both, as usual, spoke with candor and immediacy. Okay, um, Brooke, first? Ladies first? Just recently, and I don't even know if I want to talk about this on here, but a very close family member of mine cut me off. This person in my family put it out there that I was an embarrassment and that they felt sorry for me for saying the things that I did, which were in, you know, in response to. You don't get to say things like that about people because you don't know where they've come from and you don't know how they feel or how they've ever felt. And being accepting 
of somebody who's not like you is not the same as being able to really embrace difference. Mm. And it's, it's a long, hard day for most people who think, oh, I'm good. You know, and we're, we're talking about Rio. We're in California. We're, we're one of the most, you know, accepting people in the world. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> but we don't know yet what it means to, to have to be in somebody else's shoes. And I really want more people to know and understand what that, that feels like. It's definitely easier just to kind of accept and keep at arm's length than to, to use the word you use, embrace. Um, those are two different things. Sorry about your family member. It is what it is. It, I, I think that's what is more important is the lesson that I took away from it. That if we can't agree at that level, what kind of family really are we? Mm. <clears throat> sorry, Debbie Downer. Okay, don't be, don't, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't apologize. You had your voice. I mean, Connor, do you want to kind of go on that as far as, you know, what you want? I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't really think you have that kind of time in your window, <laughs> but I'll do, I'll do as much as to, to nutshell it. <laughs> Just like you, Graham, and you, Rebecca, and you, whoever else are listening, all you have to do is listen. It's really not that hard. It's not that hard. You may not accept whatever else someone else is doing that, that don't have any involvement in your life. They're not paying your bills. They're not feeding you. They're not funding you. But you know what? You, there's a different opinion. There's a different point of view that you can learn. You don't have to be there. But you can learn it and understand that now everybody else lives like you. These are, there's a very, quite a few reasons why certain cultures live like they do. They've been slaughtered, they've been imprisoned, they've been enslaved, they've been less than, according to some point of view. Listen. Just listen. Take some time to learn people. You have time to read a book. You have time to kiss someone. You have time to hug someone. You have time to listen to somebody. It only takes like 30 seconds, if that, to be a human being. That's it. Honestly, it's not about how long it takes. It's the fact that you actually are willing to listen. A special thanks to all of our Season 1 guests who took the time to follow up with us. For other episodes of Straight White Guy Listening, 
please visit straightwhiteguylistening.com or follow us at SWG Listening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe, like, and review while you're there. Straight White Guy Listening is created and produced by Graham High and Rebecca Breithaupt. All music in this episode was written by Daniel Birch from the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.